0: Hello, I'm Catherine, and welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. And I'm Gail, and this is a special
1: day for Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. After reading an article in the June-July issue of Art Magazine, we reached out to the author to invite these two special women to our show. She gave me their email, and not long after, Dionne Sims responded, Dionne is the granddaughter of Opal Lee and founder of the nonprofit Unity Unlimited. Opal is 96, and the activist that, according to ARP, sparked the movement that turned a cherished cherished tradition into our newest national holiday. It's our honor to have both of you with us in the studio today. So let's start with with you, Opal. And uh, I know you're a retired teacher, and you live in the Fort Worth, Texas area. And the article says, and we know that you sparked a movement. So please tell us about this movement and why it's important. Well,
2: I don't know how much time we have, but I raised four children. I'd gone to colleges and universities. I started a food bank. I've got a farm. But it just felt like there was something else I was supposed to do. Now, I had met Dr. Ronald Myers, who was adamant about Juneteenth being a national holiday. And I think some of it must have rubbed off on me because I decided if a little old lady in tennis shoes was walking from Fort Worth to D.C. 1400 miles, somebody would take notice. Yes, it started out that way. Don't want to give you the impression I actually walked fourteen hundred miles. I didn't, because we'd been off in an RV, and the people decided that what I was doing was too political. So they decided to keep that cotton picking old RV, and my team says I'd only go where there were Juneteenth celebrations or observances, and where I was invited. So I was invited all over the United States. I mean, Shreveport, Texarkana, Little Rock, um, Denver. Alabama. Oh. Yeah. North and South Carolina. I mean, you went all over. (laughs) And so if I left September twenty. I actually got to Washington January 2017. We had asked President Obama to walk with us from the Frederick Douglass House to the Capitol. But he was in Chicago. I didn't get what we wanted. But do you know? We garnered a million five hundred thousand signatures that we took to Congress. Mm. And we were prepared. To take that many more when we got the call to go to the ho- White House where the bill was going to be signed into law. Oh, oh, I tell you, I'm still on cloud nine. I pinch myself from time to time to see if it actually did happen, and it did happen. And don't I tell you? I tell you, if. We had a million five hundred thousand signatures, and we were prepared to get that many more. I just believe three million people could turn this country around.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm sure they could. Wow. That's amazing, Obal. Really, it's amazing. And and, you know, at your age, you could relax, right? You could say, all right, look at all of these things that I've done. What What is it? Why is it that you continue to be an activist?
2: Because there are so many things that still need to be done. You know, I'm advocating that we celebrate from the 19th of June to the 4th of July. We weren't free on the 4th of July. And freedom, this represents freedom for everybody. Not Texas freedom, not black freedom, freedom for... Everybody. And do you know we're still not free? I tell you, with all the joblessness and homelessness and climate change and health care that some people can get and others can't, we got work to do.
0: <laughs> yes, right. Where are you putting your, your, your main energies right now, at uh, uh, the, all these issues? What are you focusing on? Voting.
2: Everybody in my cotton-picking neighborhood has to
0: go vote or answer to me. (laughs) (laughs) I I (laughs) I understand that you train poll workers. Is that right? Well, I I sort of tell them what to do.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I've got a swatch between 121 and uh. uh, Riverside Drive in Sylvania, there are 1,000 voters in that area. I'm know i going to walk with the people. We're going to walk on these doors and we have to do it the Saturday or so before. You can't give it to people too early because they forget all about it. So I'll be wearing the hell out of it right up until we get through polling. (laughs) Dionne. Dionne.
0: Yes. Hi. I I have have a a follow-up question. Go ahead. Well, I do. And just in terms of being an activist, have you been an activist all of your life? Or when did that really, when did you start
3: with that? All of your life. (laughs) Uh, I think the start of it was as an educator, as a teacher. Um, And then when she um, got the promotion, right, to being a, a school counselor or a visiting teacher. Um, which whose responsibility was seeing why the kids weren't being successful in school, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it was food, housing, clothing, um, whatever the need was. um, She felt it was her job to make sure that they could um, be successful. If the parents were successful, the kids would be successful. And so uh, after she retired, right, she just continued to do that. Folks still came to ask Ms. Opal for help. And it just followed her, I think, kind of after that.
1: Mm. So how did you get involved with her, Opal? She's your grandmother. After all, you grew up with her.
3: Well, um, um, in my college years, um, I would be on the backside and doing the graphics for her souvenir books for Juneteenth. Um, and making sure that I did not go to the Juneteenth Festival. It was just hot in the summertime. That wasn't me. But come 2014, um, we were actually at a Juneteenth event. She was 86 years old then. And um, I looked at her walk 2.7 miles leading the parade. She was Grand Marshal and run and jump on the stage to open up in the park. And I was with my little sister and I said, you know, I am such a bad granddaughter. Um, (laughs) um, She is just working too hard. You know, all she needs to do is come into the new millennium and, you know, get a website up and, you know, get some social media going. And this would be easier. And so uh, I asked her um, to let me help her. And so we brought um, the Juneteenth um, Festivities underneath Unity Unlimited. And we just started, you know, kind of working it for that June 2015 was the 150th anniversary of Juneteenth. And it was one of our largest ever. And so um, I won't say ever because she has one that they did, you know, back in the 70s um, that had 30,000 people attend, um, 10,000 people uh, over a course of three days. So to say that 2015 was as large as that, it wasn't. We're still trying to get back to those numbers. But it was our best one um, because it was the 150th anniversary of Juneteenth. And so we've kind of grown from there. But, you know, just making sure that uh, the folks here in Fort Worth understood and why Juneteenth was a success and then reaching out to the younger folks because her group was, you know, passing on. And if we didn't turn that legacy over and ignite the young people to understand why Juneteenth and freedom was so important, it would die out with her generation. And I did not want that to happen.
1: You know, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking, I'll bet there are a lot of people who really don't understand what Juneteenth is. Can you tell us?
2: Well, the fact that now it's on the calendar, they're going to have to ask. They're going to wonder. I don't know why nobody understands that freedom is what we are all about. And I don't mean freedom for a few people. I'm talking about freedom for everybody. Freedom for the immigrants that are trying to get into the country. Freedom for the Asians. Freedom for whomever. We're God's children. And we need to be free so that we can thrive.
3: And so I'm all about freedom. So the education of the nation, now that Juneteenth is a national holiday, is one of our focal points right now. Um, We worked before that, you know, to get it to be a national holiday. Now it's about educating folks about why Juneteenth is so important. And when you think about Juneteenth as a celebration of the human individual spirit to be free and the um, the freedoms that the enslaved gained and celebrating that, then you understand that Juneteenth isn't just about a historical day in Texas. It's not just about what happened to you know black folks, and but it's about the folks that helped along the way. As we always said, slaves didn't free themselves. God had people, and has always had people, you know, as as we call them today, allies, uh, to help the Quakers. Uh, risk their life, their families, uh, because it was the right thing to do. Abolitionist societies, um, both black, both white, you know, came in because it's the right, it's the humane thing to do. And then as, as being unearthed now, the Southern Underground Railroad into Mexico because Mexico abolished slavery in 1824, we're uncovering that um, our Latin brothers, all right, are were a part of helping to emancipate those that were previous enslaved. So when you have a full spectrum and can see everybody that wanted to be a part of making sure a human being could enjoy freedom, then Juneteenth isn't just a Texas story. It's not just an African-American story. It's an American story that needs to be celebrated across the whole country. So that's our goal, is educating people about what Juneteenth represents, the freedom that it represents for everybody. Mm.
1: Yes, (laughs) you take my breath away because we, of course, we know how important this is and and wow. So so, Dion, you started Unity Unlimited or your grandmother started Unity Unlimited. How did that come about? So back
3: in 1994, um, I could see and I guess we can kind of sense. I'm a youth minister by by uh, calling and I could see in the young people this resurgence of division. And so in 94, I started an a activity for them called Teen Corps Explosion that was built to bring different uh, denominations, different races, again, working with the young people together so they can see that, you know, working together is how we get things done. And so it's a fine arts workshop. Um, It's a full week, uh, choir, dance, mime, and we've had various other um, uh, clinics uh, that they would participate in and do a concert together. And so this allowed, I felt, an opportunity for them to see that, you know, we are, like my grandmother says, our brother's keeper. But we're the same people. God just made us all different, right? But those differences aren't meant to separate us. And so um, I founded the nonprofit Unity Unlimited based on on that premise of getting people to work together, having opportunities, having um, resources, making things available to empower the individual to you know lead a connected life, right? Mm-hmm. So in 2000, we formed the nonprofit and worked um, to build on that premise of putting together resources and opportunities and activities that allow people to work together. So in 2014, um, when I'm working with my grandma and seeing that Juneteenth had that same undergirding um, of uh, mentality and mission, I, I asked her to, to let me help her with that hmm Wow. <laughs> yes. And and
1: so uh, the, you're the founding executive of the National Juneteenth Museum. Is that correct? I am. I am. And what is that? What's that mission? What's that meant to be?
3: I'm so glad you asked. All right. So my grandmother has, on her current property uh, in uh, South Fort Worth, um a Juneteenth museum that she opened around about two thousand and seven. Um, she's always, as as we know her story, um, wanted Juneteenth to be uh, acknowledged and wanted to be celebrated. And so she opened a museum to uh, fort Worth Juneteenth History. Um and so we are now using that base site um to be the focal point for the National Juneteenth Museum. Uh, and it's just um, what is say providential um, that, you know, we're creating the National Juneteenth Museum here in Fort Worth on her previously legacy Juneteenth uh, Museum site. And so the development that's surrounding it is in our historical um, black community, the South Side, and it's going to be a redevelopment. Uh, and reenergizing of a of a of a community that's you know seen better days, and so it's going to be bringing life. But more than that, the anchor being the National Juneteenth Museum um, will help the nation see the importance of Juneteenth. Um, that it's and the reason you know it's not in Galveston um, because that's the birthplace, because that's where Texas got it. But it's about showing the nation and representing all of the states. Uh, their stories of emancipation. Uh, again, talking about the Quakers, talking about Mexico, and educating the country about Juneteenth and what it really means. And so, Miss um, Opal is also on the board, um, as well as a team that we're building—a world-class team um, of architects. You've seen the um, the renderings, as well as a um, museum curator um, and the people that are going to help us build the exhibits. So we're you know, really proud of it. And what she hasn't told you is that
2: we are in the business of raising 70 million dollars to be able to open the doors 2025. Now, I'm in a hurry. (laughs) I want that to happen 2024.
3: (laughs) Well, you're going to be here. 2025, 26, 27, you know, I'm not letting you go. So, um, but yes, so we're in the middle of a capital campaign uh, to raise the funds um, to to get it done as quickly
0: as possible. What's uh, the scale? What's the scale of the museum? It sounds like it's going to be in an enormous place.
3: Uh, so, I will um, make sure that you have the, uh, the links to the story so you can see the renderings. But the museum itself, the campus is 50,000 square feet. Um, and it, but it also includes a food hall. Um, it also includes a business incubator. It also includes um, a theater. It's going to be the Dale and Opalee, uh theater, 250 seats there. It includes um, gallery space, of course, as well as a black box that allows the community to use the facilities for meetings, for meetings. Um, um for um whatever whatever, right? Um uh, so it can be transformed. Um, and then it's got a beautiful garden, uh, outdoor space. Um so it's a and it's gonna have some retail space of course, but it's a complete development that actually has housing as well. Um, to revitalize the historic South Side where my grandmother spent a lot of her time. And that historically is where Black folks thrived. And so we're hoping to re-infuse the neighborhood and the community uh, with establishing the the complex.
0: That's fabulous. (laughs) It's
1: a fabulous vision. Yes, it is. (laughs) And if you'll get us that information, we'll help you promote it. We certainly will.
3: All right, we'll definitely do
1: that. Uh, Yeah. I noticed that, um, Opal, you are the unsung hero of the pandemic, and you were named Fort Worth's 22 Person of the Year, 2022 Person of the Year. What what was that all about? Well, I'm not sure what it was about, but I'm so
2: grateful (laughs) for it. (laughs) <laughs> what to do, you know, and it gives me some visibility, so when I go up asking for their money, they know who I am. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, actually, the unsung hero came, of course, during the pandemic, um, Story terrace. Um which is a British company from the UK um, uh, write stories and memoirs uh, for people. and so they were just asking people to nominate people that they thought were you know doing and continuing to do things even though we were in the midst of COVID. And MissoPA was nominated by a young lady, uh, Nicole Nevilles. Um, who thought that you know somebody that was now ninety something, uh, still out delivering food to people because um, she delivers food the first and the fifteenth from the food bank that she helped to start, um, and not being now she was cautious, mind you, but not just shutting down and and saying oh my god we're you know in in the midst of a pandemic, um, and she just kept doing, uh, kept doing, and so. Our nomination out of the 25 that were finalists, she was chosen the lead um, winner. And so there was a prize package, of course, and all of that. But she was voted um, the 2021 Pandemic Unsung Hero. That's
0: wonderful. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. I'm really interested in the, the, there's so many issues on the, on on, on the table, and you talked about voting as a, the, the ultimate priority right now. What about your work in climate change or climate uh, action? What's your, how are you approaching that?
2: I'm telling people that we are responsible for climate change. We need to be mindful that The trash we throw out, the rivers and streams that we, the pollution in them is our responsibility. There's so many things that we could do differently. I remember seeing a family of four in a magazine and how the only waste they had was in a tiny jar in somebody's hand. I don't see how they did it, (laughs) but I'm thinking that we waste so cotton-picking much. We throw out food that somebody could use. We, we, We have closets of clothes that we don't need. We should be able, as the richest country in the world, to share and to not throw away and waste so much. So I'd
3: just like to have a sign walking up and down the street saying "Don't waste." She <laughs> <laughs> has always been about recycling, and we um, newspaper. Uh, she she doesn't throw a single piece of paper away, um, but she's always cognizant of what goes in the landfills. And so um from uh we had a we had a drive for plastic bottles, you know, the the water bottles and just trying to keep them from you know cluttering the streets. And we don't live necessarily well we do. We have the Trinity River. Um but um you don't see the what they see in the oceans in California mm-hmm. and the poor fish that you know gets you know stuck in the 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 oh, plastic right or or the trash bags or the 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 grocery bags and things so we don't see that as much but we do see it in our streets and so she she can't walk by see anything on the ground without picking it up that's just who she is right so um but it's it's always kind of been in her um and when she's passionate and you know she speaks to it it's just just how it is
1: Opal, I can't help but ask you, you've been this way all of your life. And you, you were a teacher and and that started a lot of it in terms of wanting to help the children. And how, how is it that you, you have maintained this level of interest all these years? Where, Where does it come from? It comes from grandparents. Mine were The Reverend Z
2: Zachra, and his wife, Maddie, brought us. They acquired some 40 acres in Texarkana and 40 acres in Ben Lomond. Now, they couldn't hire hands, so they grew them. They had 19 (laughs) children, children. And so they were frugal. Everybody had a job. Everything had to be used. There was nothing thrown away. Sometimes I say that they can the pig squeal. There was nothing, nothing that was not used. And so when my mom, I mean, my grandfather had nerve enough to bring somebody to my grandmother and tell him he needed food and a place to stay and give him something to do. And when my mom married and moved to Marshall, Texas, he would send people to her and tell her to look after them till they could get on their feet. So it's sort of in the DNA, I think. You gotta help, especially
3: if you can. I think it's a sin if you don't help. We
2: are a brother's keeper.
3: You know, Gail, one of the, uh, there's a whole study now on people's love languages. You know, some folks are touchy and some folks are speaking in an affirmation and some folks are, um, but the two of us, we're, we're doers. All right. So, you know, I love you because I'm doing, I might not say it. I might not, you know, but if you call me, I'm doing it. If I see you need something, we're doing it and that's something that I've gotten from her and, and in relationship to understanding how we're made up, it is truly a DNA thing um, because it's what we've seen is what we mimic and it's what we learn. And so I think that um, one of the things that young folks um, really ought to do is, is spend a little time with, with their grandparents mm-hmm. uh, and, and get to know them. Um, I think that you know sometimes our seniors, um, feel tossed away or thrown away um, because they can't maybe get around as good or or whatever. But there's still so much left in them to share and get out that I think we do them a disservice when we don't spend time um, listening to their story and, and recording the stories. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that the National Juneteenth Museum is going to have in it is an, an AV, an audiovisual um, um, lab that allows families, when they visit, to record Great Granny, uh, if they have a fan reunion, you know, in Fort Worth, to record it and have their stories that they can take with them. Um, because it's it's in these stories that you learn about your family and learn about, you know, where you're going and where you came from.
0: Mm.
1: Wonderful idea. So, yes, wonderful idea. Did you have another question,
0: Catherine? Um, yes, I have many. Um, I'm, in, I'm also interested in healthcare because I know that's also an issue, a big social issue. And and how do you see your work trying to influence or improve access to healthcare? We need to
2: start with the youngsters in school and ask them always to share what they've learned with their parents. Um, it's in a zip code. 76104, we've lost so many people. They just die because they don't get the health care. i I'm mm-hmm. for universal health care. I don't know if I'd get hung by my thumbs, but everybody needs health care. And heaven knows huh, the food we eat and stuff I thought was really good for me. Now it's not so good, but I've managed, you know, to eat because my mom prepared really good food. And but I want everybody to know that
3: they can't go to the fast food house day after day and be healthy. They just can't. And the neat things that we do with Juneteenth, because Juneteenth is more than a festival uh, for us. Again, we celebrate Juneteenth a whole month here in Fort Worth. Uh, And if she had her druthers, the world would celebrate it from the 19th of June to the 4th of July. And the whole year. (laughs) Because freedom is 365. But one of the events that we have, one of our programs, is called Empowering You. And Empowering You is a health fair, job fair, college recruitment fair, financial fair, kind of all rolled into one. Because what we believe is that, you know, access to information and resources is what helps us do better and so when um we have um the, the vaccinations and the mobile clinics, uh, mammograms, blood drives, and um, prostate checks, and all of those things in a place where folks can come, mm-hmm. then we are hopefully doing our part in getting the access to knowing your numbers. I think I love that campaign, knowing your numbers um, to people that wouldn't necessarily go to them because folks are scared of doctors for some reason. So we try to, uh, again, while we're entertaining while we're educating, we're also empowering people with uh, Juneteenth because it is more than just uh, a festival. So that's one of the things that we do to help get the healthcare, the information, and access out to the community and to those that that travel from across the neighbor. I mean, across the community to come to Juneteenth.
2: Mm-hmm. And we don't. I mean, we need people to understand that we start our Juneteenth with a breakfast of prayer. Not a prayer breakfast where you're going to eat a lot of food, but a breakfast of prayer, because we've got to thank the Almighty for as many of us left on this earth as it is.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Wow. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> we could go on for a very long time, but I, is there something that you'd like to leave us with, that leave our audience with that that oh, you want to hear? God. I want everybody to be aware that we are all
2: responsible for this and to make themselves a committee of one. We know people who aren't on the same page we are on change their minds and their minds can be changed. People who've been taught to hate can be taught to love. And we've got to get that over to every single person that we can.
3: And my last thing would be to uh, let folks know that they can get the history of Juneteenth. Miss Opal has written a book called Juneteenth, The Children's Story. And um, it's a very neat um, book that allows the history of a very tough subject to be taught. And we've updated this version to include the historical moment mm-hmm. when there, there, um, getting the bill signed. So. Uh, they can get a copy of this on her website, uh, therealopalee.com, and um, gift Ooh. it to a young person so that they can um, uh, learn. It's all about learning. It's about education mm-hmm. uh, for us. And so this is a neat tool to do that.
0: Wonderful.
3: Mm-hmm. And and say the website again, please, Dionne. Therealopalee.com.
1: Therealopalee.com. Wonderful. Wonderful. We cannot thank you enough for sharing, for giving of your time to be with us today, and letting <laughs> <laughs> us. Uh, special
0: yeah. pleasure for us. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for making it happen.